Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Twice a week on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm considering this one. How do we set a bar for evidence in an ongoing pandemic? It's day 172 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India and we are reporting 10,77,618 cases with 26,816 deaths. Over the last week, there were two potential therapies or drug treatments for COVID-19 that have caused a controversy in India. The first is Itolizumab, an existing drug developed and marketed by Biocon, the pharma company based in Bangalore. This existing drug is a psoriasis drug meaning that it was cleared in 2013 for use in the treatment of psoriasis a skin condition One thing I realized recently while researching vaccines and drug therapies and this is something I had not realized earlier is that repurposing existing vaccines and drugs to see if they work against a new disease is a large part of the vaccine and drug research process The second is a repurposed vaccine that is being considered in India and that's the BCG vaccine that gives protection against childhood tuberculosis which is now being considered as a prophylactic that might prevent the occurrence of COVID-19 like a vaccine or reduce its severity and chances of mortality if it does occur. What I want to talk about tonight is not just the efficacy of these treatments but also the processes behind it and whether these are good processes. because in almost everything about this pandemic and the way we tackle it that to me is key let's talk first about the bcg vaccine very early in the pandemic there were correlational analyses that basically argued that countries that had universal or near universal bcg immunization were seeing fewer cases when i spoke to dr madhupai an expert on tb and director of the tb program at mcgill university in montreal all the way back in april He explained some of the problems with such correlational or ecological analyses. These are very high-level cross-country comparisons or correlations, and we've seen in this pandemic alone the million of them pop up, right? Oh, wherever yeah. there people are using masks, they there the rates are lower. Wherever there's BCG, wherever there's malaria, I mean, there's no end to those uh, sorts of comparisons, and they are. fundamentally uh, deeply uh, uh, flawed because uh, the pandemic as we know is just exploding in many countries right now in fact in some of the lowest income countries in the world right now the case numbers are doubling in two days three days four days and even in india we saw the dramatic increase in cases all within the last two to three weeks same with brazil same with peru bangladesh pakistan indonesia everywhere the curve looks like this right which means the analysis that you do today is already out of date two days from now or three days from now so doing a correlation analysis early in a pandemic is just completely meaningless and misleading and then ecological comparisons don't easily control for variations in testing rates we know india for example is one of the lowest testing rates in the world and then the last problem which is quite vexing which is almost impossible to deal with in an ecological study is what we call confounding right so countries which give bcg have been give, giving bcg for a good reason that they are poorer they have higher rates of tb and wherever that 
people give BCG, they'll also give MMR, they'll also give DPT, they'll also give polio vaccine, they'll also have high rates of malaria, they'll also have high rates of poverty. So you cannot tease out whether it's the BCG that's a signal or it's something else. It's impossible to tell because they're all mixed up in these cross-country comparison. The only way to break confounding is when you have to do individual level studies and adequately control age, for example, we know is a very important confounder. In countries that have stopped vaccinating, that's because they are socioeconomically highly developed, their TB rates are very low, and their population is much, much older. India and African countries have a very young population, and we know age is an important variable in how people can effectively handle COVID. Younger people tend to have asymptomatic infection, while older people in places like Italy, Europe, are all dying of COVID because of comorbidities. So confounding is virtually impossible. So that's why I, I've been advocating for animal and human experimental trials, because that is the, the easiest way to break confounding and tell us whether BCG has this non-specific booster effect that might protect against COVID. A lot of what he said then has subsequently been borne out, not the least of which is the explosion of cases in South Asia that do a lot of BCG vaccination. But since then, some experimental trials have also begun, and India is now starting its trial. But here's the worrying part for me. The Indian trial is specifically on elderly people, the most vulnerable segment of our population. The ICMR is leading the study and will enroll 1,000 volunteers above the age of 60 across six Indian hotspot cities, administer them with the BCG vaccine, and then see whether it helps protect those who got the vaccine from getting COVID-19 or reduces the intensity of the disease or the mortality rates if they do get it. Experimental trials are the only way we will know if a drug can protect while the pandemic is ongoing. But beginning a trial in an elderly population without having first got safety data from randomized control trials that are currently going on across the world seems pretty dangerous. And Dr. Pai pointed that out in a series of tweets earlier this week that I have linked to. The second therapy that I wanted to talk about was, as I mentioned, Itolizumab. Here there's a separate set of problems. Biocon conducted randomized controlled clinical trials at hospitals in Bombay and Delhi, they say, and they found that the drug helps in suppressing what is known as a cytokine storm, which is the body's immune system going into overdrive against the virus and ending up causing multi-organ failure and killing the patient, which is one of the ways that the virus kills people. There are a few red flags here. One, the trial was very small, just 20 patients received the drug. Two, the Drug Approval Authority has waived Phase 3 of clinical trials for the drug because it is an existing drug, although its use in this disease is new, and it can now be prescribed by doctors for emergency use even without a larger-scale trial. These are not necessarily fatal flaws, but they do make the process that much less robust. Which leads me to the point that I made at the beginning, processes. The only way to gain the trust of both the scientific and medical communities and the general public in a vaccine or therapy is when the process that went into its development stands up to robust scrutiny. Trialing a drug or a vaccine that then fails is not failure. It is a source of valuable information about what doesn't work. When I talked to Dr. Anand Bhan, a bioethicist about the ICMR Bharat Biotech vaccine trial earlier, 
He spoke about how the government was reacting to questions being asked about the process and the timeline. We've also seen, uh, you know, questions raised about people being skeptical or uh, raising concerns. I don't think that's the right thing to do in science either. Uh, no one is coming from a place where they don't wish well for any of these vaccine candidates or the science in this country. I think everyone is very invested and very supportive of that. But to say that if you do ask questions that in some way you are um, you know questioning the credibility of indian science scientists or indian agencies is not a fair comment to make recommending as yet unproven therapies as the government still officially does in its clinical management protocol with hydroxychloroquine or shrinking the time for approvals with the vaccine or waiving phase 3 trials for italizumab these are all compromises to the process and there's no shame in admitting that to find a vaccine or therapy that works during an ongoing pandemic is enormously difficult and governments might decide that they need to cut corners but then they'll need to own these edits they make to the process and that means owning successes and failures and engaging with questioning perhaps that's the new bar for evidence in a pandemic thank you for listening this episode was edited by anand krishnamurthy next week a new question Thank you.